It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Hello, Barracuda fans, and welcome to another edition of CUDA Confidential. I'm Nick Nolenberger. In this episode, we'll be joined by Barracuda assistant coach, Louis Mass. As we talk about growing up in Alaska, playing in the USHL and at Bowling Green State University, and then playing pro in the ECHL, including a three-year stint back home with the Alaska Aces. We'll also dive into Mass's coaching career that started in Alaska with the Aces and went on to the University of Alaska Anchorage and then the Western Hockey League's Everett Silvertips before being hired by the Barracuda this offseason to join John McCarthy's staff. We are very pleased to be joined by one of the newer members of the organization, assistant coach Louis Mass. Louis, first of all, thank you so much for the time. You've been with the organization since back in July when you got hired. You were part of development camp, but a couple of months now under your belt. How are things going now that you're in San Jose and a, and a current and, and now solid resident in the Bay Area? It's been great. Really, I've really enjoyed uh, working with the people on the staff here. Been very welcoming. And uh, as I've gotten to know the players, you know, same thing. It's just some really good human beings here. And I think more than anything, on, on top of all the other resources we have here that make coaching fun here, and then the caliber of the players, I think most importantly, it's just been great a great group of people to be around every day. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for this opportunity. So beyond just getting comfortable with your new surroundings and a new organization, meeting all these new different faces, you've also built a relationship with head coach John McCarthy. I don't think there was a, a prior relationship there. So how has that been just kind of getting to know what type of person John is and working alongside him? It's been great. Uh, he's been really impressive to me from the get-go, you know, from the interview process all the way through camp and um, and now just how we've kind of rolled out things with our group. It's, uh, I mean, to me, he, he comes across as a guy with a lot of experience, even though this is, you know, his first head gig here. And, um, you know, I've already learned a lot in working with him. And, you know, I, I think just based on the, you know, the career he had and the roles he's played within the organization, I think he has a lot of experience to pull from, from different angles. I think he can relate to the guys because he's not that far off of his playing days. And yeah, it's been, it's been really good working with him here. It's been really good. And, and same with Kyle. Has it been fun kind of watching the way that he carries himself, given the fact that, again, he had not had a head coaching role, very briefly served as an assistant does, of course, have the captain background as a player, but has it been impressive just the way he kind of conducts himself and 
is able to coordinate and, and I guess communicate with with a group of men and a group of uh, of adults that are trying to basically accomplish the same goal. Yeah, and and that is the word I'd use is impressive. It, it's uh, his his ability to, I think, take things in and be really composed and measured through his, his delivery. He's very sharp and you know a very intellectual, bright guy that I think considers a lot of factors when making decisions and. Um, yeah, he, he's been impressive. You know, I've worked with some really great people and, uh, you know, I can easily already chalk him up on that list as one of the people that I've, I've learned a lot from in the short time we worked together. Kyle Hagel, who is your peer, he's your fellow assistant coach. I'm sure you knew of Kyle, given the fact that you were both coaches in the WHL, but did you have a relationship with him prior? And if not, how has it been working alongside him? And now with all three of you guys comprising this coaching staff, working together as one. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a relationship. You know, we, we've kind of been trained to hate each other over the last few years and, and in the best possible way, just really out of respect and how his organization did things and how he coached, um, you know, it was, he was a, a real tough foe when we were coaching against each other in the Western league. And, you know, we, obviously it's a hockey, the hockey world's a small one. So there's some overlap there. And, you know, we, we share a lot of the same, you know, peers and friends, and there's a lot of overlap there. And um, I've always heard only good things about them. And uh, it has been funny in some ways we still have our, competitive juices and we still it's just funny how some of those things carry over a little bit but uh it really does come from the best place and and that i respect him and how he works and how hard he he does you know the work that he does and the time he puts in and he's just a high quality person too and you know we probably spend the most time we share an office together here so we spend a lot of time kind of working side by side and it's been really great working with him too is it funny sometimes to think about a situation like that when you do look across the way and you've got an opponent and you want to beat them the whole goal is to win right and now you've got him in the in the same room and you guys are working towards a common goal is it almost funny to think Hey, this guy isn't a bad guy, right? This is somebody I can get along with. This is somebody I could have a relationship with. But when you're competitive and maybe you don't know somebody, your mind frame is just a little bit different. Is it funny to kind of look back on how you maybe looked at him or, or had your emotions directed towards him prior? Oh, for sure. And it's taken some time to kind of rewire that. You know, it's uh, you're just so driven into that pattern of beating that other person that you kind of, it, it takes a little bit of an adjustment. You know, we're there now, but... There are times if we ever do get into a discussion, you know, we debate things, you know, and it's just funny. It kind of reverts back to you're the enemy, you know, and it's like, you know, I, I got to beat you and we got to we'll, we'll argue over some kind of trivial things. But it really is in, I think, in good spirit. And uh, and it just shows that, you know, he's a highly competitive guy. And so am I. And 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 there's times, too, well, you know, we still follow our old clubs and. And uh, Everett took a pretty good licking from Seattle the other day. And I trust me, I heard about it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We're talking to Louis Mass, Barracuda assistant coach. We'll dive into your coaching career and your path leading into San Jose. But I want to go all the way back. You're an Anchorage, Alaska native. Now, us folks in the Southern 48, if you will, we don't necessarily know a lot about Alaska, aside from the fact that certain times of the year, it doesn't get dark and that there's lots of wilderness but what was it like growing up in Anchorage? Obviously, that is home for you, and that's what you knew. But what was life like growing up uh, in Alaska? Uh, it was a great place to grow up. Very small community there. Uh, um, 
you know, it feels to me or it felt like to me when I was a kid that it was a hockey town. And that was a large part of the reason why I wanted to be a hockey player because, you know, I, I really looked up to the college players there in that town as a kid. And that's what I wanted to be, you know, what I wanted to be around and, you know, going to those games and playing hockey out, outdoors on the weekends or after school and, very winter sports-based place, you know, just being able to ski and do things out in the outdoors and the, and then the summertime, a lot of fishing and, and camping and, you know, the, the typical, you know, outdoorsy lifestyle things there is, I, I guess the big things on kind of living in that environment, you got to be able to get into to enjoy it. When I think of Alaskan hockey, just with the connection with the Sharks, I think of a guy like Scott Gomez, who is from Alaska. But the culture of hockey, you think of the movie Mystery Alaska, maybe in connection to the sport there, but what is it like in terms of the culture of hockey? You're talking about a, a state that's north of Canada, but it's so far north, you almost think maybe the sport gets lost a little bit. But what is the culture like there? And is there a real, real passion and a love for the sport out there? Definitely a passionate hockey culture there. Um, it's changed over the years, you know, from what it was like when I was growing up you know, to what it is now. There's been a little bit of a, and, and I think in general and in, in youth sports, there's been a change, you know? So when I was growing up there and, you know, there wasn't a lot of travel hockey or the, or, or as much money in it as there is now. Uh, it was, I, I think, you know, there hadn't been any Alaskan hockey players that had maybe blazed that trap pathway into the NHL at that point. So for us growing up, kind of the top of the mountain was to be a, a, a UAA Seawolf. That was the dream for us. It wasn't to be uh, an NHL player. That was a little bit foreign for us. And, um, you know, we played for for the enjoyment of the game more than anything. It wasn't any sort of a pathway that we were trying to connect to. And um, in my neighborhood, you know, we had a rink, I don't know, eight to 10 block radius there. It was, you know, filtered down to after school. And you just have these pickup games, these informal type pickup games and, I think that was common at all, you know, all the elementary schools had rinks, you know, so for recess, when I was in elementary school, we had, you know, everybody would go out and play hockey. I would say very strong hockey culture there. Uh, it was you know, what I felt was a hockey town. And, and then we had some really good competitive travel teams as I was moving up into squirt and, and peewee, uh, Bantam and midget hockey, we had teams that competed nationally. My midget team, we lost in the national championship game the year uh, we were in midgets. We actually hosted it in Anchorage, Alaska there. So it was it was great. There was a lot of really good hockey players around my birth year growing up. And then obviously there's been a lot to follow. Who was little Louie idolizing as a hockey player when you were on the ice outdoors, hanging out with your friends, who were you imagining you were? Well, there was, you know, there was Mike Peluso, Jeff Batters, some of these defensemen that were stars on the on the local team there at the university. And then on the NHL side, I I, I really loved Chris Chelios as a kid and some of those big bruising defensemen too that Craig Ludwig. And so <laughs> I was kind of a Montreal Canadiens fan a little bit just because I had seen them my dad had taken me to a game there and I had seen I had seen them play and that just became my team. So as a young kid, was that your NHL was trying to get to college? And did you have a dream of playing college hockey in Alaska? Because you end up playing at Bowling Green and we'll go into that. But was it a dream as a young kid to play college hockey at the University of Alaska Anchorage? Was that the mindset and the goal? 
Yeah, I guess for me, I, I was never a star player on any team I played on. So my dream was just to make the team the next year. You know, tryouts were really nerve wracking for me. And I just wanted to stay a part of the group. For me to keep making a team every next season was a big goal. And I never really thought of myself as being a, a potential junior or college player, to be honest with you. From the time I was really young, I was kind of a stay-at-home D-man without a lot of skill, but uh, found ways to provide value and do something to help teams win. De definitely not a star player growing up, so I didn't have any real big ambition. You played in the USHL with the Rochester Mustangs, which is now a defunct team, but how did you end up landing in that league? Well, we had a really good midget team, and um, I think sometimes just being on good teams really gets you noticed and you know i kind of hit, hit in the shadows here and kind of just hitchhike along with some of those guys that ended up being like really good college and pro players that moved on but a big chunk of our team and i can't remember how it all worked but there was i think junior teams in the ushl could kind of tender or reserve a certain block of teams and i think the omaha lancers had maybe seven or eight kids from our team on their junior team. And then the, there was a handful of other guys in our group that kind of went out to different uh, different camps. And I ended up going to Sioux City and with maybe three or four other guys from my team, got into a fight my first day of uh, camp and got eye gouged and missed the rest of camp, if I can recall, because I couldn't see. I had like an eye patch on. And uh, ended up going back home and and then thinking, oh, I'll just go back home and play back home. But my buddies had left and we're all playing junior hockey. And um, I ended up actually signing on kind of late after realizing I didn't want to get kind of stranded back home with everybody gone. And I, I joined uh, a team in Colorado Springs in a new league that they were starting called the Frontier Hockey League. So my path actually kind of started there and then mid-season I I ended up hopping over to Rochester in the USHL and played there for a while before I ended up in Lincoln so I kind of bounced around a little bit and then in Lincoln I went there for the the first year that that team had an organization as well where uh the uh the coach of that team Steve Johnson's actually uh Luke Johnson's father so kind of funny how that comes around yeah, so 95, 96, I think, was my first year there in Lincoln, and we ended up winning the Clark Cup that year as an expansion team. So it was great. That's incredible. I love these conversations because you can do all the research in the world, but until you sit down with someone and actually talk, you just find out all these little nuggets. I, I love that nugget about Luke Johnson, who is now a forward on the Barracuda, and it comes full circle, and uh, it's just funny how that, that – the small hockey world always seems to have these these connections as you continue along in it. Uh, and I love that the eye gouge story. I mean, you're talking about uh, the early 90s, and, and it's as if it was 1972. I know. Then one year in Lincoln, you talked about that being an expansion franchise. They're still sticking around, but you win – you win a championship, your final season of the USHL. You, you got oh so close in your, your youth hockey to winning a national championship, but you win a, a Clark championship back in 97 with the Lincoln Stars. What was that run like? Oh, it was incredible. It was it was like that experience that I had envied out of some of my other friends that were playing junior hockey. So, you know, obviously bouncing around through the Frontier League and into Rochester. Rochester was a real storied 
organization with a real proud history. But I think things had changed a little bit as far as the quality of how, you know, the operation was being run there. And I mean, it was a great group of guys and great team, but it didn't feel like junior hockey. You still, we still had real small crowds at our games and it's kind of a rec center type rink. And we had to take our gear home every day and it just still kind of felt like youth hockey, you know, especially when you know how the experience is for other guys in on different organizations and going into Lincoln there, I didn't have high expectations as an expansion team. I wasn't quite sure. I thought, you know, I was almost bracing myself for us to have to take it on the chin a little bit, but um, getting in there right from the beginning, it just felt like they were doing things first class and they ended up doing it that way. They put together a really good team. It was my first real experience with an organization and, and hockey on a level where it felt like uh, the all those things that you had kind of longed for is looking at other people on your wish list of like, you want to get treated a certain way by fans. You want to play in front of big crowds and get taken care of by ownership. It, it was all those things. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a great experience there. Well, after the USHL, you go off to college, Bowling Green State University. My parents actually met there. So I always love when I see a Falcon <laughs> alumni, but you spend four years there. I'm sure you had a great experience, but Talk about the recruiting process. You, you said you were kind of unheralded during your career, but you, you get on a team that wins and, and you start having recruiting eyeballs on you. Dive into the recruiting process and how you landed at Bowling Green. For me, it was kind of this perception of what college is supposed to be like and that what that experience is supposed to be like for me. Kind of funny, like I told you before, my dream as a kid was to go play in Anchorage. Now that I'd been down the road and lived away from home for a bit, I think my goals shifted a little bit to, I want to go to a school with a tradition and a history and, and be a part of something that was maybe a little more well-established. The other schools that I was looking at, there was a lot of pros and cons for each one of them. Bowling Green for me, showing up on campus for that visit where it was a perfect balance of being a small town and a smaller school with, you know, the Ivy covered buildings and um, a real proud tradition and history that, which I don't know, for me, it was always important because it just felt like somehow you're connected to Rob Blake or Nelson Emerson or Potvin or all these guys that had come before you. You're, it's like, you're part of this new club and uh, that jumped out at me. And then, my connection there, same thing with the coaching staff. They're really just great people. Buddy Powers, Wayne Wilson, Brian Hills, like people that just felt right to be around. And um, I think for me, more than anything, that was it. it was, hey, I was still pinching myself that I was even had the opportunity to go there, but uh, ended up being just an incredible experience. We're talking to Barracuda assistant coach Louis Mass. So post-college, you play professional hockey in the ECHL. When did you have aspirations to play pro? You just talked about your path and taking it one step at a time, really one year at a time. But when did the pro opportunity maybe come into the focus and you think, hey, maybe I've got a chance to play at the next level? Yeah, it's kind of funny. You know, like we had we had guys at school that were like real hockey players and, you know, were, I, I think, had those opportunities um, that I I never was really even same thing goes back to you know my youth hockey I didn't have any aspirations of that I I was was really career minded at, when I was in college and 
really focused on just doing well in school and preparing myself to dive into some sort of career. And I think more than anything, it was uh, my indecisiveness that led me down towards exploring other things. And I was a supply chain management and production operations major. And it was a great major and there was really good jobs available, but I didn't really have any sort of passion for that. And um, I was kind of stalled out where, you know, when I got to my senior year, I was thinking about a career at kind of a corporate level office job and none of that seemed appealing to me. So I was kind of just looking for another pathway, you know, to do something and, or maybe just to stall and kill time and, um, had the opportunity at the end of our college season to go play some games, uh, in Pensacola. And, uh, I just thought I'd give it a go just to go see what it was all about, you know, experience that. And, um, it was just instantly, you know, something that I really enjoyed. It was a lot of fun just to continue on being in the locker room and meeting new guys and, you know, hopping on the bus or, you know, traveling around to new towns and getting to see another part of the country. Like all of that was fun. It was really lifestyle based, you know, it was just summers off to go back home and, and do the Alaska stuff. And then to be able to go, you know, play down South and, and travel around some of those, uh, those old rinks in the league then and get into playing pro hockey there, I guess. And, and experiencing that was, it was, kind of a treat. Uh, it just was, to me, it was purely fun for me. Just having the opportunity to do that, I, I just wanted to keep going until it stopped being fun. Oh, three, oh, four, you go back home. Yeah, that was a dream come true. Uh, I was in Louisiana there and kind of, I was kind of ready to call it a day and to, to kind of grow up and do something else. And um, that same year was when the Aces joined the ECHL and the opportunity to go play there came up when um, I I just was in my exit meetings with Dave Farish there in Louisiana. And, uh, you know, I expressed my desire to go play in my hometown. And he was kind enough to help me out on that and traded my rights back up there. And uh, I ended up there and the coach that I had in, in PD, Davis Payne, who's now an assistant in Ottawa, was, uh, was going up there to run that program. And uh, it felt really, you know, it felt right for me to be able to go back up there. I had a great relationship with Painter and to go up there and, you know, same thing, have a very similar to, they had an expansion feel, even though it wasn't an expansion organization. Uh, they had been around in the West Coast League, but the ownership group there was relatively new. I think it was their second year. And it it felt a lot like that transition into Lincoln where everything just was a little bit of an upgrade. Uh, they were first class, you know, and that's why they became a marquee organization. They really treated their players really well. We packed the building and it was exciting. And we had a couple lockout years that had NHLers on our team. And uh, it was a roller coaster ride. And, you know, it was uh, some of the most fun years I've ever had. And, you know, playing hockey there was was great and you know winning some championships there too obviously didn't hurt yep you won a, a kelly cup of 2006 that was your last year of professional hockey so was it a situation where you won and you were done uh yeah i mean it it was uh it was time for me you know i was just kind of just it, it stopped being novel and uh i felt like i needed to 
transition into a maybe a lifestyle that you know maybe was financially more lucrative and then also i i got to where it just wasn't as much wasn't as much fun as it had been you know maybe years previous and i remember i was sitting on a beach in san diego we were on a road trip playing in san diego we had just finished winning a game on the road and we were kind of just sitting on the beach and yeah, you know, I remember sitting with the teammate there and I was like, man, I just, this isn't doing it for me anymore. And I know if I'm, if, if I'm sitting here at Pacific beach, not enjoying myself, then maybe it's time for me to do something else. So I kind of just made that decision to, to go out that way. And, um, you know, winning at the end of the year, sure. You know, was a cherry on top and, and that group of guys that we played with on that team, like just complete beauties and, uh, real characters and, I haven't honestly been around people like that ever since. Such an exceptional group of people, a lot of them who I'm still close with. But uh, yeah, I don't know if we could have done it any better than that at that level. And uh seemed like a good place to get off the bus. So you end up taking on a coaching career. You, you return back to the game. You start out with a 14U team back in Anchorage, and then you end up becoming an assistant coach with the Aces. But there was a two-year gap in between. So I want to ask, what were you doing during those two years? And when did the coaching bug kind of lack? Well, it was actually just a one-year gap. The other one probably doesn't show up on Elite Prospects. But uh, I was involved with the team. I just, I had started a business. You know, I couldn't travel. So I was coaching uh, a little bit part-time, I guess. I was on the ice for home practices and up in the stands for games at home. But uh, Keith McCambridge, who... Uh, was my D partner when we played had had been the assistant with Davis Payne for one year and then taken over as a head coach there and and uh, and he and I were pretty close and um, kind of talked me into getting involved there and you know seeing how it went and I uh, I really missed uh, you know in that one year that I took off I just really missed the game missed the room missed all of it and uh, was excited about the opportunity just to be around I didn't really think this is some dawn of my new coaching career. It was uh, just a chance to be in an environment that I really enjoyed and, and missed. And it, same thing, it continued on from there, just year by year, I, the, my involvement grew and I found that it was in, in some ways more enjoyable than playing. Uh, I tried to transition as much as I could out of running my business and spending more and more time in coaching. So I got to ask, what was uh, what was the business? What was the venture away from hockey? It was a, uh, and still is, a, uh, a training center for athletes. We do group fitness and um, athletic development. We did a lot of hockey stuff, which we don't do as much of anymore, but there was synthetic ice and we did a lot of shooting and puck skills in conjunction with kind of dry land training stuff. So teams would come through there and, and do off ice work combined with some high rep skill work too so it was a lot of fun and a little bit of a circus at times and long days but it was it was it was a great experience too and I'm still involved but just not in the day-to-day operations anymore I've kind of handed all that stuff off to people that are better at it than me I'm gonna let you go on this one because I know I'm I'm going a little bit long here and uh, it's been really fun hearing your story here in your path to get to San Jose. So you finish up the collegiate part of your coaching career and then off to the WHL. So final question, what was enticing about Everett? How did that opportunity come to be? Well, my experience in Anchorage at the university 
was not the upgrade from coaching that uh, I had experienced before professionally going from Rochester to Lincoln and then moving up to the aces from the other East Coast League teams. It was, I think, kind of a step back in some ways because the it was a struggling program. There was a lot of financial problems, didn't have a ton of support. Uh, and it was uh, my first experience there as a coach. They're dealing with all those issues of not having what you want from a lot of different aspects. So it was really frustrating and, and really stressful. Learned a lot, but I was I was eager to leave. Uh, had an opportunity to join Everett. Uh, same thing through connections, just like this whole kind of hockey world works. It's all tied into who you've crossed paths with. And uh, the head coach there, and ever it was Dennis Williams, and he was a roommate of mine from college. We had a lot of history together, and um, real great coach and a great friend. Yeah, I had kind of been in touch with him, and when that opportunity arose, I, I just knew that I had to take it. I, same thing. It was again another upgrade there from a standpoint of just my growth and experience there, the kind of people that I got to work with, and. Uh, the resources we had and the the ability to to me take new steps within this business and and coaching itself over the last five to six years it's amazing how much has changed and how much the technology and the tools we have through analytics and video and the ability to I think communicate more clearly and and to I think leverage technology has really to me boosted my love for coaching as well too well this has been a really fun conversation and i truly believe we could sit down here and talk for another 45 minutes and there's lots of uh, additional questions i want to ask but i really appreciate the time it's been fun being around it's just been fun having some fresh faces in the building i think everybody's got a, a renewed sense of excitement but just from my perspective i consider myself kind of a, an observer at time of people and i can tell that you are you're a student of the game and a hard worker um, and passionate for this. So it, it's been fun kind of watching you guys from a distance and look forward to continuing to conversate. But again, thank you very much for the time, Lou. Yeah, thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure. It's uh, some things I haven't thought about in a while. It's kind of funny when you uh, when you go down memory lane there. It's, it feels like it hasn't been very long, but uh, when you think about it, it's been a long time. <laughs>